cobblers, bakers, and candlestick makers, slow your workflow down to a snail's pace, cut the feed from the security cameras, and, oh, that's where I left my 13-striped groundhogs. I'll put them back in the communications equipment where they belong. This is why we can't have nice things. It's time to talk tall to me. Nibble, nibble. Nibble, nibble, nibble. Welcome back. This is Omen Thomas Sade. And this is Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this is also Talk Tall to Me. A 55-minute protest in the Prague Rock Factory in which a not-in-the-pulley-line Nick and open-up-the-drain-nozzle Omen will bring production screeching to a halt by jamming into the sensitive machinery every single track that up-to-no-good rock band Jethro Tull has ever released. We will stop up the slurry chute and cause a Martin Barr blockage. We will reroute the reasons for waiting and let the David Pegg perishables putrefy before they reach their destination. And we will scupper the big man's Big Dipper by programming at the drum machine to play in pie for time. And because the Germans have asked for photographic evidence of a destroyed Ian Anderson... We will simply cover him up with painted canvas and scatter a few smashed-up papier-mâché flutes over top, thus keeping our double agent status a secret. That was good. That was good. Lots of different stuff in there, Nick. We'll unpack it later. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. Off-air, I think you and I need to speak. But until then, what do we have on the docket for to-do? Well, what are you drinking? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm having a an athletic brewing company, Cerveza Atletica, which is their light, their light copper colored beer, which is a very easy drinking, kind of like a hoppy barley infused soda water. And I love it. Not an actual beer. Yeah. I, I just officially started two batches of kombucha brewing concurrently. So I'm very excited for that. I'm going to have booch all the time in the house now. Booch times douche. Booch, please. Omen, hello, welcome. How are you? You're good, thank you, great. I love our talks. We are here today. We're here today to talk almost the end of side A on on under wraps here. We are just about at the end, second to last. We're going to talk saboteur today. We are. We're also at a point when side A and side B some... what lose their meaning very close very very close we have let's see it actually goes all the way up until roots to branches roots was the the last vinyl that came out believe it or not until until that's true yeah the last vinyl until zealot gene yeah but but that is that is weeks and months and years away right now saboteur track five but first the last of my notes for this album until we get into album art and reviews. Which I'm excited about. That's Those should be very, both of those should be relatively interesting. But to begin, let's talk about the tour this year. The Saboteur? The Saboteur. Let's talk about the tour for this, this album. So fans 
actually liked the tour more than the album itself, during which the members of the bands literally emerged from under wraps. I, I've seen footage of there are these white, I don't know if it's it's paper or, or what, but there are these kind of these white lumps on stage, and a, as the music yeah. progresses, they burst out of that of their their respective papers. Did they wrap them up with their instruments so that they could play under wraps? And then the one that I saw, Martin busted out with with his guitar, brandishing his his guitar. That's so silly. What fun! There were also moonwalking astronauts and women bursting out of large paper bags. <laughs> they couldn't couldn't afford a cake. This is yeah, yeah, the, the the cheapest. Watch out for paper cuts. However, remember this is the tour that over time Ian pushed his voice mm-hmm. to the limits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he didn't realize the toll that this constant performing, especially with everything being pitched so high, yep. was taking on him. Ian has also subsequently talked about the effect of the the fog machines and some, of those, some of those hazers that uh, that were used. Yep. You know, that are still used, but back in the day were probably used without a lot of thought to how they might affect the human beings who were performing in their midst. The the spraying the liquid asbestos, yeah. In their midst and in their mist. In their mist. The, a quote from Ian specifically, he says, I think it's true to say that I've never felt my voice was the same again. Wow. I'd gone beyond where I should have and really had to settle for second best. Wow. Icarus-like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he flew he, too close to the sun. But he didn't land in the ocean. At least he survived to to alter his trajectory and and realize his mistake. Not so much you like know, Icarus. Not so much like Icarus. More like Daedalus. Da- yeah, he, he just needed a second sun at that point. <laughs> and finally, after the canceled Australia portion of this tour, uh-huh. because of his voice... He returned to the UK to focus on his salmon farms in Scotland and, quote, recharge his spiritual batteries. I mean, you know, at this point, they had been touring really constantly, touring and producing music for more than 10 years, more than a decade straight, with very few breaks. And so it's it's uh, it's amazing that that, you know, that there wasn't some kind of a a spiritual breakdown before this. Right, right. And lots of musicians have, have you know, at various points stepped back to to recharge. I'm thinking Miley Cyrus. I'm thinking Kesha. You, yeah, yeah. Britney Spears, obviously. Britney Spears, slightly different scenario, but yes. Different need to recharge, but yeah. Equally valid. But no, I mean, it's a hard life. And uh, and even even if you're not a famous rock star, sometimes each of us needs to take a moment, step back, look at some fishes, and recharge our spiritual batteries. Right, and and also you're talking about the batteries not included, the touring aspect, but but also remember from 1968 all the way up until 1980. They put out an album a year, every single year, every single year. That stopped with A. They took 81 off, 
82 gave us broadsword. They took 83 off. That gave us under wraps. But it's not like they were on vacation during 81 you and say, 83. You say off, but they were touring, yeah. you know, huge, huge quantities. And Ian was still writing during all that time. And recording those those albums, of course. Yeah, exactly. And remember, he's our age at this time. I'm tired when I stand at a standing desk for eight hours. I cannot imagine what this guy does. <laughs> I, know. I cannot imagine how tired Ian Anderson was at this point, that he just wanted to dig a hole and sleep in it. I'm tired when I stand at a sitting desk because <laughs> <laughs> I'm bent over. That's impractical. Yes. Well, with all of that context, Nick, shall we have a listen to the song at hand? Yeah. Yeah, I think we ought to. Let's... Keep in mind our spy novel overarching theme here that we've got going with this concept. And let's listen to Saboteur. Let's do. Nick. Omen. There we have saboteur. There it is. Before we talk about the music, should we talk about the word saboteur? I don't think that's a terrible idea. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. I don't think you're not wrong. (laughs) So the word saboteur, uh, as you might guess from its ending, is a French word, French in origin. It means means small baguette. It means little bread. (laughs) No, it it derives from the word sabot, which is a traditional uh, French wooden shoe. Uh, we would call it a clog. Okay. And um, the, the funny thing about this word is is that while those wooden shoes have been in existence for a long time, the word saboteur really only entered the even the French language in the 19th century. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there was a word for, you know, the person who makes the shoe. Mm-hmm. That was the earliest use of the word was a saboteur was somebody who makes the sabot. Okay. But around the middle of the 1800s, when in the Industrial Revolution, capitalism and humanism and industrialism all kind of came to a head, there started to be these protests. And the workers who were being put through these extraordinary long hours would say to the government, hey, I think we need some regulation here. And the government would, would ham and haw and, you know. 20 years later, nothing would happen. So the workers started doing direct actions. And France, of course, has a long history of this. The joke in France is, you know, any day of the week, there's a strike about something. But the workers would would start to strike or or they would start to slow down the pace of their work until it became something that had to be dealt with. And the workers wore those wooden shoes. It was like the traditional work shoe at the time. So saboteur became associated with the person it's like the it's like the yellow vest movement it sounds familiar i just i don't i can't place it the yellow vests are also in france a group of you know that's it's like the dock workers the the truck drivers who are doing this exactly the same thing so like if you if you imagine that that becoming yellow vestism okay this is a you know the worker who wears this shoe the action that you associate with that worker of slowing down work or or destroying machinery or kind of you know gumming up the the flow of industry Mm -hmm. that becomes this concept of the saboteur gotcha and then and and there's also you know there's a an apocryphal story that that the word comes from the act of throwing one of these wooden shoes into the machinery to to stop up the machinery 
Yeah. But that's apparently apocryphal. The other idea is that, you know, with a nice hard shoe, you can kick in something pretty well. And so the one idea is that it may have come from the, the act of like breaking something while wearing these super hard shoes on your feet. Right, right. But at any rate, it comes from this industrial workers movement. Interesting. And then eventually it just translated to someone who, who I'm trying to use, trying to explain it without using the word sabotage, uh-huh, but uh-huh. So, it's someone who does something to, to affect change by, by affecting a process, a, an end result. Yes, yes. And, and, and specifically by derailing, slowing down, destroying the machinery, the mechanics of that process. Mm, okay. And th- and those mechanics can be... Literal, or they can be, you know, the, the, the people themselves. Allegorical, you know. Yeah. Theoretical, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So one form of sabotage is, you know, literally, oh, the train is supposed to go to Paris? Yes, very good. We're going to send it to Marseille. Yeah. You're not destroying the machinery at all. You're just right. using it wrong. Yeah. And, and that slows everything down, that people get angry, money is lost... Exactly. Yeah. And then the word sabotage begins to be used when the world wars happen. Mm. It it becomes a, a technique for occupied peoples to to annoy and slow down the process of their own occupation. Yeah. By, you know, oh, the factory is owned by the other by the invading force now. Great. We're going to we're going to keep working because otherwise they'll kill us. But we are going to work so slowly. Yeah. Or just just slowly enough that they can't look at it and be like, wait a minute, you're doing something. So there's there's this whole, you know, overlap of sabotaging and, and clandestine behavior. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating kind of form of of action, industrial, political, military, etc. Yeah. It's a fine balance to be to be effective, but also have like plausible deniability almost. Totally. Yeah. And then there's my favorite kind of sabotage, which is self-sabotage, which is where you get in the way of your own projected or real successes. Oh, man, that, that hits a little too close to home. Thank Ew. you for that. <laughs> so with that context, shall we talk about the music? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put a pin in that context. Ouch. Pull back when uh, when we go to content. Yes. And uh, and yeah, let's talk about the music. We've got... Beam. Beam, beam. Some really tasty guitar in here. It's a little punkish. It is. Yeah. It's funny that they spent it, it's it takes me back to the album Too Old to Rock and Roll because that mm. was kind of their 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 alternative to punk album. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole like Oh, rock and roll versus punk. Mm-hmm. And it, this song really makes it sound like like Martin is playing with that punk sound with the guitar a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a nice, peppy, energetic juxtaposition to the the kind of really high pitch, crazy sounding synth. Yes. It works. But also there's something that grounds it in like, oh yeah, this is, this is, we still have our rock roots here. Well, and the electric guitar is almost the most, the most acoustic sound that there is in this song besides Ian's voice. Yeah. For me, the bass gets a little bit lost. It does. I, when I, I do hear it every now and then and it's really nice, 
but it, it does get swallowed like much of the album, unfortunately. But there, the flu is in here too. Don't forget the flu. I am ashamed that I have forgotten the flute. Yeah, the flute's in here. It's very good. And I will never forget the flute again. Hashtag never forget. This is one of the less under rapsy sounding under rap songs in, in that it's like it's pretty heavy rocking here. It is. The drum machine appears to have done a line of fresh Colombian cocaine. Oh, it's 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 hardcore. It's it's doing a lot of 16th notes. I mean, a lot of the song is just like. Yeah, it's the it's the double bass pedal. It's the faux double bass pedal. Yeah, yeah. But just straight through. Yeah, all the way. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the best part about having a, a programmable, indefatigable drummer is that you can have that, <laughs> yes. that, that steady, crazy pace of a double bass pedal literally the entire length of your three and a half minute song. Because it'll never get defatigued. It'll, it, it will not be fa- defatigued. Yeah, <laughs> it might be de- too much. <laughs> Still very good, though. I, 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 I That's the bulk of the the drum machine sound in this. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the kind of the main co- complaint for the most part is is that it is it's too uniform. You know, it's just it is uniform. That uniform. uniform. It is that same sound all the way through perfectly. And it does get a bit. I don't know, redundant, you know? You know, what's weird, though. As we keep listening to this album, the drum machine is growing on me. There are a lot of good plastic surgeons in Florida. I think you should. Oh, yeah. No, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, at at first when we first heard the synth, it was like, okay, here comes the synth. Yes, yep. And at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah, the synth. Exactly. Is an integral part of this this band and and the sound that, that is so valuable. When we first heard the drum machine come in, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they use a drum machine. And at this point, I'm like, I'm kind of excited to see, to hear what the drum machine is going to do next. Hmm. And this song is, again, in 4-4 time. But I feel like the drum machine is kind of warmed up at this point. I know I'm anthropomorphizing an inanimate object. But it does seem like the it's coming into its own in, in the album. But And maybe what's happening is it's my ear is adjusting to it. Right. I'm not quite quite warmed up to it just yet. Yeah. I think as we're progressing that it's it's becoming it's falling back a little bit. It's not so much in the forefront, so it's a bit more more palatable. But it's I don't know, it's I'm still not sold on it. I'm I'm still not sure if they should use it for the rest of the album. Well, <laughs> I have terrible news for you. What? No, don't don't tell me. Anything else to say musically about this song? I there, there's there's only one or two other things that I that I have. Yeah, I have a I have a couple things. I I do want to piggyback on your comment. I think the synth works very well in this song. It's uh, at this point I'm I'm really sold on the synth. I'm liking it a lot. There is a point when oh when they go into that I want to be no saboteur, uh-huh. want to be no saboteur, oh no me no saboteur. Those kind of like proto-choruses does the timing change at all in there or is it just because they really stagger those those voices 
on like really like quarter note off note beats that it's it's kind of I don't know if it's just when they just when they kind of scatter them throughout but it, it that part feels janky intentionally janky yes yes it, it yes it, it creates a little bit of a push and pull i mean also the the timing of martin's repeated riff that bum, 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 oh no the, the um bah, bah, bah. oh that one bah, 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 bah. yeah that's sort of interesting because it's it starts on the it starts on the two of the measure so it's mm. one bum, bum, bum. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And Ian will often start singing on the one. And just that, just having those two, those two things disconnected, that that amount gives it that feeling of, of there's more space in the measure, even though it's still in poor, poor time. Interesting. It is interesting to see how, I think at a certain point I was like, oh, it's not as proggy because they're not playing with the time signatures. But I feel like... What I'm discovering is that they they are playing within the time signatures in an interesting way. Yeah. And the the Mino Saboteur part that you're thinking of is a further example of that. And again, it sounds we had this with later that same evening with the My Country Wants You back, 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 back. It's sort of a similar thing here with Bino, beep, 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 no, Bino, 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 Bino. It reminds me of a song that it was written more recently entitled Peanut Butter by RuPaul featuring Big Frida. Okay. Peanut, 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 peanut butter, peanut, 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 peanut butter. Thank you for for all of your cultural references. Must be jelly because jam don't shake. Anything else to say musically about this song? I think I, I have one more comment. Oh, at at about 145, that kind of like a, the bridge moment here, we've got Martin shreds for about five, ten seconds. Yes. And then that's followed up by this synthy violin. Yes. That very much juxtaposes the like the the badassery that is that is Martin with like eh, okay you know like I think we can we can tear it up on the synth over here but also it really makes me long for the days of special, special guest Eddie Johnson Eddie Johnson yeah. yeah yeah I would love to hear him go to town on that. I love the violin in general as an instrument. Mm. And I think that in some alternate universe, Ian Anderson is not a flute player, but a violin player. And on one album, he brought on special guest Eddie Jobson to play the flute. Yeah, he, he somehow communicated his, his feelings through that, even though he wasn't even the one playing it. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Oh, and I've just got two Velvet Mondegreens that make no sense at all. 
Okay, I'm ready. Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it velvet mondegreen? They kind of elicit this feeling of snarkiness without no without reading all of the lyrics you know all of my the velvet mondegreens come beforehand where before you really know what the heck's going on in the song sure so my two my two velvet mondegreens are where let's see in and out of shady places mm-hmm. the very first line sounded like in and out of shitty places okay in and, out of shitty places. and then the second line of the second verse happy in your domesticity yeah. Sounds like dumbasticity. <laughs> wow, you know, I'm realizing that the Velvet Mondegreens really say more about the listener. 1000% than yes. they do the writing. <laughs> I am I'm not ashamed of of these at all. No. They tell no, me. Nor should you be. And thank you for sharing. <laughs> thank you for for letting me have this safe space. Do you have anything else? for the the music i don't and i and i do have to uh really quickly just hop up to the rooftop to check on the pigeons okay so if you want to come up we can we can keep chatting maybe take a little break yeah i think that's a great idea i did bring a couple of loaves of stale bread i I don't know why but i i mean i guess that's why let's yeah let's do it okay Omen, here we are. Your roof is surprisingly spacious. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry about the sorry about the mess. I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to sweep up since the storm. It's okay. I I'm honestly a little impressed that your pigeons have more bathrooms than you do. Oh yes, each one each one gets their own toilet. You should put on these galoshes. Okay, you got it. There we go. Okay, I don't don't know why I put them on my hands, but I, I'll I guess I can I'll unfold this to keep you from. Touching the pigeons. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I will uh, unfold this email with my teeth. Here we go. No, it's not an email. Sorry, it's a comment from YouTube. This is a YouTube comment. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. This dropped. So today was today at the at the time of recording was the first episode for this album. So today was the Lap of Luxury drop. That's right. They got published today. And immediately on YouTube, we had a comment from Michael Lord. Lord Michael. Lord Michael. Michael says, an unfairly maligned album. Personally, I do have a soft spot for under wraps. I give Ian Anderson lots of credit for trying out a new direction versus sticking with the old safe and sound formula. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, perhaps the decision to go with a drum machine was an error in judgment, but there are lots of good songs to be found here. I will admit, I wonder how acoustic drums would have sounded. The international espionage theme that runs throughout the record is quite intriguing. Top-notch work by Barr and Peg. Mm -hmm. Saw the lads perform live in St. Paul for the Under Wraps supporting tour in 1984. Wow. Thank you, Michael, for dropping us that comment. And... You know, the thing that we often say is that any any song by Jethro Tull is someone's favorite song. And I think that we can extend that to say any album by Jethro Tull is someone's favorite album. Absolutely, yes. Or at least an album which has a soft spot in their hearts. 
Yes, it has the it has a fontanelle in your heart. Very cool that you saw these guys on tour here for this. We were yeah. just talking about the tour. You got to see them all jump out of their their paper bags. Very cool. The drum machine just sat in its bag the entire time. Just the whole time, <laughs> just just. <laughs> and I just want to throw out a reference to the Discord. Mac Tull and Doc Savage both adore this album you are not the only one michael lord we do have people who are very very happy and and have very soft spots for this album and to be honest it's growing on me concerningly soft spots concerningly soft it's like a peach that is just ready to go sounds like calcium deficit to me (laughs) we're gonna soak this album in milk and hopefully get it to a doctor in time to get it fixed Oh, no, the cat got into it. Oh, Oh, God, no. no. Teeth marks in the album. Oh, and there go the pigeons. Oh, my God, what a a disaster. Nick, anything else to say before we head back down? That is it for our comments there, our commentary. Thank you so much, Michael. Everybody else, write in. Let us know how you feel. Let us know what you feel. Let us know how to feel. (laughs) Because I'm dead inside. Nick, let me spray you for pigeon mites here really quick. Please, please do. Okay, and we're good to go. Awesome. Oh, is that butter? Are we cooking? Did you just... We're just going to cook? Just let it sink in. Okay. Just let it sink in. Okay. Here we are, halfway through. We are at the content context portion of the episode. Let's talk about if we were to look at this song individually before we talk overarching concept album where this fits into that story. Let's talk about it as its own individual piece. Nick, I've been listening to a lot of opera recently. I know. I know you have. Your doctor's orders. I've been listening to it in your basement while you try to sleep. Is that what that noise was? Full volume. Wow. And okay. what I what I realize about a good opera is that mm-hmm. the whole story has to work. The music has to work in its entirety. But also each aria, each duet each quintet has to stand on its own as a as a piece that holds up if you were to sing it by itself interesting yes and what i'm realizing is that the same can be said of the the opera of a an album okay you know a good album a good rock album a good prog rock album and a good concept album not that i'm saying this is a concept album although maybe it is i think it is maybe with a a little c (laughs) is you know, in, in order for the the overarching concept to hold up, it all has to work together. Okay. But if the songs only work in the context of each other, it sort of falls apart. And what I love about this song is I think it works on its own as a standalone. Okay. It's a cool song about a saboteur, or maybe they aren't a saboteur, but, but probably it sounds like they are. And also, it really helps the context of the story at large or the theme at large. So I think this is a great example of kind of the the crossroads of individual song functionality and album functionality. Okay. End of discussion. Great. Very cool. Discussion. Okay. Ian Rossini Anderson. I think, I think you're right. I think that that sentiment can be extended to really the bulk of the songs on this album, if not all of them. I'm interested to talk about this song as it compares to another song that we've spoken about recently, but I, I, maybe I want to save that for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk 
What's our what's our story here? I mean, saboteur really sums it up, right? Yeah, it does. In and out of shady places, walking on cold corners of the maze, following the trace you leave unwittingly. One of the things that I find fascinating about this song, it, it is describing the actions of a sab- of a saboteur mm-hmm. in in a in a literal sense in some t- in some ways, right. At the same time, it's describing, and what I think is very fascinating about this album is that a lot of the kind of spy stuff has a double meaning. Yes, that there is the literal. Oh, yes, he's a saboteur. He's you know c- cutting the communication lines for this foreign government, but also. There's the emotional context. The mm-hmm. what does it mean to for there to be a saboteur in a relationship? Yeah. And then it's further complicated by the fact that the song Saboteur is about someone saying, Oh, I'm not a saboteur. Yeah. Methinks the lady doth protest too much. Is that is that what we're seeing here? Methinks he do want to be a saboteur. Yeah. So let's get into some of the verses specifically. Yeah. What do, you, what do you get from following the trace you leave unwittingly? Well, I actually want to go right before that. I, uh, walking on cold corners of the maze. Walking on cold corners of the maze. What's the maze? The maze is the the kind of relationship that you have to navigate uh-huh. and find the right path through, whether it's lovers or a guy working for a company or politics or something like that walking on cold corners of the maze kind of to me feels like he's operating outside the boundaries of that established zone that established area you know and that and that it's cold that they're cold meaning that he's alone he is able to be out here on the outside and Great, it gives him a, a vantage point, but he can't tell tell anyone about it. So that's so fascinating. I I I sort of take a almost the opposite read on it. Oh, in one sense, I I think that you know the coldness does give the feeling that that the figure is alone. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, one thing that is fascinating about sabotage is that it has to be done from within the inside. Right, you can't sabotage an industry or a company or a country from the outside. Correct. You have to get into it somehow. Now, in the modern day, there's all kinds of technological ways of getting into it from the outside while physically remaining on the outside. But in the old days, you had to physically go there. You had to physically be there. So for me, the walking on cold corners of the maze is kind of keeping going, playing the game, as it were, playing, going through the the motions to look like everybody else Mm -hmm. and keeping just out of view of his targets. Hmm. So keeping, you know, keeping one corner behind and then yep. following the signs of his mark. Okay. The mark doesn't realize they're leaving behind. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I the, That's a lot more, a lot more kind of interpersonal and, and in the danger. I saw it as more like he's still doing that, but he's, he, there's a removal there because to be a saboteur, you need you need more of a an overhead level and knowledge and viewpoint as well. You need totally. to know where all these pieces are moving so you can affect them as as kind of the 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 
seeing the pieces as they they work in the machine. And that's the skill of, I think, you know, there's a difference between a saboteur and an arsonist. Yeah, right. Or a terrorist. Yeah. Right. Or or somebody who, you know, puts a puts their fist through a... Puts their heavy wooden shoe into a, a machine. Through the wallboard. Yeah. You know, a saboteur is somebody who, like you said, understands the system and understands, yeah. if I do this, it's going to affect this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And, and knows how to do it in such a way that it's not detectable that it was them. That's just it. Yeah, they know the chain of events that by the time it's realized, no one will know at what point the fault happened. I love the, I'm going to, we're going to probably jump around in this song a little bit, but I love the verse, by now you must be worried, wondering who is me and mm. what lies behind my art. I'm only removing broken seashells from the beach. I love it. It's like, you know, you have to have a cover story. Yeah. Why are you out behind this alleyway at three o'clock at night? Oh, I was taking my dog for a walk. Yeah. And then you have to have a dog. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. And you have to have the poop bags. You have to have, you know, you have to, you have to be totally irreproachable in your cover story. Three steps ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Plausible. Right. Yeah. Leave doggy poo-poos. I was just leaving doggy poo-poos in the mail. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, very good. Go on. (laughs) Carry on. Sorry. And then, and then, you know. I, I feel like each verse is a different facet of this of this kind of exploration. Mm. I love deepest regrets I humbly offer you as I cut into your life with clean precision all is simplified past the hat and past the knife. Deepest regrets I humbly offer you as I cut into your life with clean precision all is simplified past the hat and past the knife. This is where we get a little bit more into the interpersonal situation mm-hmm. where you know in the greater spy story is this person is the spy using the personal relationship that he has with someone in order to to disrupt some sort of a system that they're that they're trying to get to is he viewing this person as a part of the machine as it were yeah and while also while simultaneously recognizing that person as a living human being Right. Yeah. You're, you're using these pawns and you have to create a relationship to get yourself into that position. And sorry, bud, you got to take the fall for this, or I literally have to cut your tendons or whatever, but it's, it's nothing personal. I'm just, I'm, it's, you're just a little piece in the machine. This is a greater game that you can't even understand. And with clean precision, all is simplified. If you are so precise about your strike, it makes it very clear and understandable what you have to do it's very simple it's like oh yes i'm just going to stab this person because that's going to affect this and then this part of the system is going to change right i also love pass the hat and pass the knife i don't know if if i'm reading way too much into this but there's a there's some spy film i don't remember what it was but i i'm always sort of fascinated by the the tactics of of spyism Mm-hmm. And and clandestine warfare, I, I've always sort of found that fascinating. You know, like the, all all the Batman stuff fascinates me. All the spy stuff fascinates yeah. me. I remember seeing some film where somebody comes to deliver someone a letter, and and they're like, "Oh, you know, I have this. I have this letter that I have to give you." And they they're holding up the in, the envelope, and as they are about to pass it off to them, they stumble and fall into the person, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to," you know, and they walk away. What they did is they hid a knife in the envelope. 
They just put a they just put a knife in an envelope. Oh. And so they're walking around with a knife and they just stabbed a person in broad daylight. But for all the world, it looks like they just, you know, we're gonna they're they're going to mail a letter and trips. Yeah. And so past the hat and past the knife makes me think, and again, my, this may be totally my fabrication, is that they tip their hat to someone and they're concealing the the blade in the hat and then Sure. Like Peaky Blinders. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Peaky blinders. Yeah. But also past the hat has a feeling of you're, you're putting on your disguise, right? Mm. But also what's the phrase past the hat? You pass the hat to get money in a performative situation. Nice. How, that feels too, that feels too specific to not be a reference here. Wow. Past the hat. So is it, wow. Yeah. Is it, you know, this is just my... He's performing a role. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's... that's. And you you pass the hat when you're done. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done my job. And you pass off the knife to the scapegoat. I've portrayed my role. Or to the cleaner. Now pass the hat, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. Painted ducks across your landscape, happy in your domesticity. Painted ducks across your landscape. If we just take that, it does really remind me of Down at the End of Your Road. Mm. Painted Ducks is is a, is a throwback to One White Duck on the Wall, I reckon, right? One white duck on your wall. One duck on your wall. It, in a way, it could be, yeah. Possibly. Or, yeah. you know, is it is it just simply saying... Your life is so picturesque, it even has the little duck painted into it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But th- that sense of uh, your white picket perfectionness, mm-hmm. your, oh, your, your, your white picket Eden. Oh, I'm working on ways to remove you from paradise, from your striped lawn in your new swimming, swimming pool. I'm working on ways to remove you from paradise, from your striped lawn. Okay, so I fabricated some of those lines, but okay, but this notion of you know, oh, you're so happy in this little life that you've created, and yet there is this little sparrowhawk hanging over you. Yeah, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You're just you're you're blissfully ignorant. Before we get into some of the the later verses, can we talk about wanna be no saboteur, no no me no saboteur? I wanna be no saboteur. What is the where is this strange un-Andersonian like syntax coming from, Nick? Yeah, that's he also did he has the Mino Saboteur. He also has Who is me? Yes, there it is. Who is me and what lies behind my art? Uh-huh. Who is me and what lies behind my art? I mean, is that just an, another facade? Is that another example of him character upon character upon character? Is this another layer? of his his character that he he portrays to then pass the hat. Mm, I think that's pretty valid. I my my other thought was connecting it to the song previously and and kind of this England to European mm. breadth of scenery that we have in this album. Okay. That it could be somebody in a foreign land being a saboteur in a foreign land and not really speaking the language. So yeah. 
and being accused of being a saboteur and, and having to resort to this kind of, you know, pigeon version of whatever the language that is being spoken is. Trying to defend himself and really just digging the hole even deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Or, as you say, using it, using that lack of expertise with the language to his advantage. Right. Yeah. Or feigning a lack of understanding of the language, even yeah. though perhaps he speaks it perfectly. So then he can he can listen in. Yeah. Yeah. It really works in any way. Yeah. And and all of those could be layers of characters that, that this super spy, what what started out as a not terribly great spy and seems to be kind of holding his own now, is really getting to. Or was that persona in the very beginning just one of those layers, one of those facades? Yeah. I mean, the more yep. we get into this album, it's like... It's like this layered, it's like the wrapping paper keeps unwrapping. Yeah. And you're never sure where the where the truth is within it. It's really kind of fascinating. It's like a prog onion. Yeah, I like it. I'm not crying when I cut this. I'm not crying. Were you going to say a, a prunion? I was going to say a prunion. <laughs> and I apologize. Thank you. Preemptive apologies. Perfect. There's at least one of me inside your ranks, in your factory, and in your school. I anticipate a cleansing opportunity to take the horns by the bull. Now, the horns by the bull is both a funny kind of typical Anderson flipping something on its head. Yeah. Also could kind of fit into that. Oh, yes, the, the silly foreigner messed up the idiomatic phrase. Yeah. There's at least one of me inside your ranks. At this point, maybe he is not the saboteur. He is just embodying the idea of the saboteur. Or he's threatening and saying, it's not it's not just me, buddy. There's there's mm -hmm. more. This is this is a lot bigger than you realize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The police caught me. But guess what? One of the police, one of the somebody in the police department is also on my side. Yeah. And so when you can't get your fingerprint machine to work, you're welcome. <laughs> when you need more toner in the Xerox machine, who are you going to call? Good luck doing all that extra paperwork with broken pens. <laughs> there are no erasers in this building. If, um, if it's going to be this kind of interrogation, I'm going to need a cup of coffee. There's no coffee. Oh, no. It's just bad cop, bad cop. It's bits, yeah. Bad, bad news, bad cop, yeah. History forever writing pages to be cut or painted gray mm. or celebrated like Jesus in his temple rage as he chased the money men away. History forever writing pages to be cut or painted gray, gray or celebrated like Jesus in his temple rage as he chased the money men away. So this is a really interesting little line here. Yeah. You know, there's the, there's the truism or the phrase, history is written by the victors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that as we get older, we start to realize, oh yeah, what we are taught as history is a very, very curated narrative. Yep. And there is a lot of history, meaning time that has passed before now, that we don't learn about. Right. Mostly probably because it was very dull. But in a lot of cases, it wasn't dull, but it just – there's a reason why it got painted gray or cut out of the book. Yeah. And I think that, you know, looking at looking at World War II as a, as a proof for this is really interesting. 
when traditionally when we hear about World War II, when we learn about World War II in an American educational school context, we learn about MacArthur and we learn about Charles de Gaulle and, you know, all the big armies moving here and there and, you know, all that stuff. We hear a lot less about the underground movement in Marseille. We learn a lot less about the the Germans who were actively or passively resisting the the Nazi regime from inside Germany. You know, yeah. there's all these amazing stories that are equally or more exciting than than Johnny Trenchfoot. Yeah. And 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 we don't hear about them because the nature of those stories was the nature of that of those existences and that that history was clandestine. And so who gets the praise is Jesus because he, you know, had he went into the spotlight and did the whole the whole big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I do want to say there's there is only so much that you can teach a class when you have to cram in so much into a class. You know, I disagree. My history class was one million years long. Okay. Twice a week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the, the, what was it? Just study hall for the rest of the, the time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You have to pick and choose when you study history, but, but it is, it is also telling of a culture, what stories get told. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just the thing is like, I, I only have 40 minutes this week. What am I going to teach them? Am I going to teach them about some really cool resistance or the thing that's going to be on the test. Yeah, exactly. But why is that on the test? Ask the New York State Board of Education. Why isn't there a test on how to build a Molotov cocktail? There are books on sabotage. Yeah, the anarchist cookbook. Well, that's definitely, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that definitely has sabotage in them. Yeah. All Most of the books, though, they, the binding was never put in properly. So it just falls apart as soon as you read it. So frustrating. That's someone was in that factory sabotaging just it. Sabotaging it. And and you know what? I'd be upset if they hadn't, just for the sake of like it wouldn't ring really, true reading it. It's exactly. Exactly. So Omen, how does this fit into our our spy novel? This is this is one of the first songs we've heard that doesn't address Svetlana. This is not the honeypot. She has gone off on her sub. And now he's kind of left to do his work without really being distracted by her, right? Hard to say. I think that we won't really know how it fits in until the end of the album. Fair enough, yeah. What I suspect is that it fits in more thematically than literally. Sure. It is, yeah. you know, perhaps this, unlike Tool to Rock and Roll, which followed a fairly linear narrative, to me, this feels a little bit like Adventures From. Okay, so it's it's an it's it's kind of a broad scope story. We don't necessarily know chronologically when these pieces are are occurring, but it happened when he was over there spying in Europe. Could be, yeah. That's that's the feeling that I get from. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, he's he certainly has his head in the game in this one. It seems like, except. For that very last line. He want to be no saboteur? You want to be my be my saboteur. That, I don't see that in the lyrics uh, in silent singing. He wanna be my saboteur. That's you want to be my saboteur, isn't it? He wanna be my saboteur. 
It does sound like that. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It does sound very much like he's singing, you want to be my saboteur. And that is not a lyric that is called out in silent singing. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe he's saying he want to be no saboteur. He that's definitely a my. That's very interesting. So I have two thoughts about that. One is that, you know, you want to be my saboteur means that you are, you have an opportunity to sabotage me. Right. Or it could be a recruitment pitch. Hey, kid. Oh, do you want to be my saboteur? You want to put nails oh, in some tires? Interesting. You want to decouple a certain delivery train? See, I I took it to be an the the one line to Svetlana saying you want to sabotage me by it making me fall in love with you. It could be that. Yeah. Interesting. I think we we will need to do a recap at the end of this album and figure out, you know, how much of it is really linear and how much of it isn't. Yeah. Very interesting. Some people are uncomfortable with non-linear stories. But on the other hand, Several frogs did jump out of a baby carriage yesterday. And boy, was my foot covered in custard. Anything else to say about Saboteur, Mick Nagil? Not a thing, Somanade. Not a thing. I love some cold Somanade. What are we listening to next week, Nick? Next week, we are on the final track of Side A. We're into Radio Free Moscow. Tune in to that very fine pod drop. Until then, if you're walking on cold corners of the maze, you should bring a Talk Tall to Me branded sweatshirt, which you can get right from our Public page, the link to which you can find in the show notes. With clean precision, all is simplified, and let us pass the hat in asking you to donate $5 a month to our Patreon account, which will give you the triple-bladed knife of the Discord chat, Outtake Tall to Me, and Feckless, two other podcasts. That's right, and the back catalogs of those very same. And then, while you're at it, please, please celebrate us like Jesus in his temple rage. By giving us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. Get those stars out of the temple. Get them into Apple Podcasts. Flip them off the table into the review. Until next week, I am in and out of shady places, Nick McGill. I am the broken seashell on your beach, Omen Thomas said. We are following the trace that you leave unwittingly, the feckless momes. And this is... A page painted gray. Talk tall to me. Oh, Pierre. Henri. Oh, Pierre, the life is so hard for us. Uh, the cheese. I've lost the passion for the cheese. Uh, I know what you mean. I used to have the cheese in my heart, but now in this 
in this industrial fromagerie, I have lost my joy, my joie du fromage. I, I used to love to caress the cheese with every finger and every toe, and now I just... I just wear my gloves and I push it through. It is not like in the days of Grandpapa, when he would make oh. the cheese by hand, every loaf of cheese he would press with his heart. But now, uh, puff puff goes the cow machine. Sploof sploof goes the cheese press. Zoopy zoop goes the cheese wax wrapper. And off to New York it goes. We can no longer uh, put an impression of our buttocks in the cheese like our grandpapa did. And not only that, but we must live in tiny attic with our seven children because prophylactics has not been invented. We have to stop having children. Something must have been done. They don't even give us cheese to feed to the children. Some, something must be done. Something must be done. And even though as Frenchmen it is against our philosophy to do anything. We oui, will. Oui. What? I just have a rage inside of me that I want to take off my wooden shoe and I break the cheese. Oh. Henri. Oh. oh, I felt alive. Suck my blood, Henri. Look at the broken Saint-Germain. There is brie on the ceiling. We do not want to get in trouble for that. We say it was an accident. It was a sabot that fell from the, the ceiling. Oh, yes, yes. Why yes. Why was there sabot on the ceiling? I do not know. I will put a box of sabot in the rafters. And when perfect, they ask, perfect. they say, oh, well, management said put the, put the box in the rafters. It is not my fault. They do not check on each other. They do not communicate. I like this. Philippe, I want you to feel the rush that I just felt. Henri, I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to drink some of the milk. Oh, 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 oh you naughty. Oh, oh, you drink milk oh, like a oh. child. It is impossible to watch. <laughs> that had to have been at least three wheels of cheese worth of milk. Oh, you are so bloated. I may throw up, but it was worth it. Oh, but if you throw up... They will not turn that milk into cheese. Oh, that's right. A throat in the milk and we say it was tainted. Something wrong with the cow. You have liberated what would have been cheese without a soul. Oh. Oh. The soul is within me, as is the several gallons of milk. I have a crazy idea, Tell me, Pierre. Henri, tell me. Tell me, tell me. I'm going to feed this bottle of wine... To the cow. Yes, drunken cow. Yes, drunken, drunken cow. Gosh, oh, I love go it. On, I love go it. Oh, on, Mamet. Drink some, up. Have some. Yes. Oh. Oh, oh it's gone. It, it, oh. Oh. Mamet is blocking the side of the factory. Henri, I am. I'm. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little drunk myself. <laughs> drunk with power. Oh. Yes. Oh. You, you know what we should do. What? 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 You I'm tell me. I'm going to take this this soft cheese. I'm going oh. to stain it red. That Gruyere. That young Gruyere. With that that red wine that we had for lunch, I'm going oh, to no. stain it red, and I'm going to write across the factory wall. Oh! Write with your left hand, so they don't know it was you. That's right. They know my my smearing hand. Yes. Yes. We have all seen it. <laughs> I'm going to write. Talk told to me. 
is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. That will inspire our cheese brethren to uprise! Oh, we shall join as one! All of the Sabo together! Liberate the cheese! Viva la Sabo!